1: My favorite album of the last year was, no surprise, Beyoncé's Renaissance, a joyful, sonic immersion made for dance floors of all kinds. There's disco, dance hall, bounce, house, gospel, freestyle, and funk, all served up in this confident, sexy, and fatty gumbo. The album earned nine Grammy nominations, and during the Sunday's telecast, Beyoncé could win her first ever Much Overdue Award for Album of the Year, I'm Aisha Harris, and on this Encore episode of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, we're talking about Beyonce's album Renaissance. Summer is for going to the movie theater because it's too hot to stay home. It's for driving with the windows down, listening to your favorite music. It's for stretching out while you're on vacation to gobble up a TV show. For a guide to some of the TV, movies, and music we are most excited about this summer, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR.
0: I could smell
1: the smoke, I could smell the dust.
0: Voices that resonate. <laughs> stories that change the way you think about your life. How how did we get here? The Embedded Podcast is NPR's Home for Original Documentary Series. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Do you ever wish you could get your stories in three hours rather than three minutes? Or maybe you're sick of Doom Scrolling, getting your news in bits and pieces that is where Embedded comes in. We bring you documentary series that will change the way you think about things. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Joining me today is writer Kiana Fitzgerald. Welcome back, Kiana. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. Also with us making his Pop Culture Happy Hour debut is music and cultural critic Craig Seymour. Welcome, Craig. Hey, thanks for having
2: me. Such an honor.
1: Yes, such an honor on our end as well. So, Renaissance is Beyonce's first solo studio album since 2016's Lemonade, but she's obviously been busy the last six years. She gave us the homecoming concert at Coachella, plus two other major projects, the album Everything is Love, her collaboration with husband Jay-Z, and a soundtrack and visual album to accompany the 2019 remake of The Lion King. Now, her new album, Renaissance, spans 16 tracks and multiple decades of musical influences. The list of collaborators is so long. It includes go-to producer The Dream, Mal Rogers, Grace Jones, Big Frida, Thames, and Sid. And the stylistic interpolations and samples are in abundance, too. You've got Robin S.'s 90s house banger Show Me Love, of course, but also the late great Tina Marie, ballroom DJ Mike Q, and gospel legends The Clark Sisters. Those are just a few of the many names that are dropped within this album. Now, it's being marketed by her team as act one of a three-act project. So as of this taping, we have no clue what else awaits us in the Renaissance era, though we'll all be eagerly watching for it, I'm sure. Uh, Kiana, let's start with you. What are your first thoughts? We've had this marinating for a few days over the weekend. So how are you feeling about
0: Renaissance? I feel amazing about it (laughs) (laughs) i have not stopped listening to this and even when i had to stop listening i kept thinking about it over and over like i can't wait to hear this again Mm -hmm. i just feel like as soon as the album opens and you hear the sample of these mfs ain't stopping me i was like oh here we go this is what we're in (laughs) for this is it (laughs) i pull up in these clothes look so good You know, she just sounds so comfortable on this album. She sounds so um, steeped in her influences. So just like she's reveling in her abilities. And I feel like this is Beyonce, like in her peak form. It's an immersive experience that it's like one continuous listening, like party. And the term disco trap, I feel is super appropriate for this album because it has those influences. And it also has like trap beats I hear a lot of like hip hop influences in this album, obviously from her husband, Jay-Z, but also from Houston, which is her hometown. And I want to say that I am a Beyonce stan up and down and (laughs) I love her history. But I also am still becoming familiar with some of the influences on this album. So I'm so glad to be here alongside Craig and I'd love to hear his thoughts. I'm right there with you, Kiana. Now, Craig, you have...
1: A very long history, both not just with Black music and Black female artists, but Destiny Child and Beyoncé in particular. You've been covering Beyoncé since the beginning. So how do you feel about this moment that she's having with Renaissance?
2: Uh, I feel like this is an incredible expression, a personal expression. But what she does so well is that it also connects with a collective feeling. Mm. Um, One thing that strikes me so deeply is that it's a tribute to her late uncle, um, her gay uncle Johnny, who passed away of AIDS, I think sometime in the early 2000s, because she mentioned him during an award show that he passed away years earlier. And it made me think about how during the pandemic, so many of us were forced to deal with emotions that we didn't, hadn't necessarily dealt with in just the everyday nine to five, getting that money, all Mm. this kind of stuff. But when everything stopped, a lot of us found ourselves dealing with memories, grief, all sorts of things that we thought we had either buried or dealt with and everything. So it seemed to me completely appropriate that at this moment, and her career has just been going nonstop since that era. Mm. It seems appropriate for me that in that moment of the world stopping, you know, suddenly he came to mind and suddenly she started thinking about the music that he used to play and think about the larger context of gay culture. And so it just seems so organic to me in the way that it speaks to a specific time, but it also speaks to our collective experience, a lot of the things that we went through during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And it's a jam. And it's a jam. <laughs> yeah, My whole thing, I guess, is just like, I'm still at the point of like, even though I've listened to it a million times and have written reviews on it, I can't necessarily say, other than Church Girl, which is just like, mm. you know, I could just fall to the floor in tears of that record. Mm-hmm. It still, like, sounds like one song to me. I don't always know. Yeah. Like,
0: what's that part in? What
2: did she say that line? What's that line in? Yeah. I, I sometimes don't know.
1: So, yeah. you know, it's still kind of a continuous thing for me. Right. I mean, that's actually a point I wanted to bring up because... Probably one of my favorite things, if not the favorite thing for me for this album are the transitions. Mm-hmm. They're so seamless. When Break My Soul was released, the first time I heard it, I was like, okay, this is cute. You know, <laughs> I hear I hear the Robin S. I hear it. But I was I was wanting more, I think, from her vocals. Cause when you hear that song, you think of Show Me Love. Show Me Love is a powerhouse song. Mm. And so Beyonce kind of lays back on it and grooves with it, but she doesn't quite attack it in the way that Robin S attacks. Show Me Love. And I should very much clarify that it's an in interpolation. It's not a direct sample of that song. But obviously, she was meant to invoke that song. Um, and then I heard Break My Soul during Pride and SF. Mm. And I got it. I understood. But then to hear that song on the album is a whole new level. I actually want to play the transition that happens into Break My Soul. It starts with energy, which is such oh, it's such a good like, dance hall, Afro- beat song that moves right into break my soul and the transition is just like so fantastic you also hear big frida enter in right before let's just play it i love it It's masterful. And I love the way that she's doing that throughout a lot of the album. It also feels like she purposely, every song is purposely sort of tracked through. And I kept, when I was listening to it over and over, I kept thinking to myself, oh, okay, so this is like when you're first getting to the party, all right? You've got <laughs> Cuffett, you've got Cozy, you've got Alien Superstar. It's like the early part of the night when you're on the dance floor. And then as you keep going, at one point you get into Church Girl and it's like, oh, okay, we're just, we're getting down, we're getting down. and then later on it gets a little bit darker like it starts to feel like oh it's 2 a.m it's 3 a.m and you're like you've been dancing for a while but you're still going and I love the way it just kind of flows like that and then at the end with summer renaissance it's just like okay we're letting it all just go and melt away and I think that's just she she made a dance album I mean, what do you think about, we've had all these conversations about dance music and, you know, Craig, you've written about this extensively and talked about how, you know, dance music and and club music, it's never really gone away, but every once in a while major artists will bring it back. And, you know, what do you make of this moment and, and why why now?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's perfect now in so many ways that are um sort of intentional in terms of since we were in lockdown and everything people do need a release and dance music provides a release but it's also really weird in that the disco era really coincided with the rise of the religious right mm. and there were a lot of attacks against um gay people against integrated spaces and all of that stuff at the time that the whole world was dancing. And so it just really seems weird to me that we are having this club music renaissance at the same time that we're seeing the rollback of abortion rights, at the same time we're seeing all of these voter suppression efforts, at the same time people can't even have their kids get waved at at Sesame Place. Mm. (laughs) You know what I mean? All of this kind of stuff (laughs) is going down. Again, I think Beyonce hits... um, the zeitgeist, you know, a- and offers us really provocative ways to look at other things that are going on in the culture because, as she says, America got a problem,
0: right? Mm. <laughs> as someone who, you know, is like very steeped in Black culture of all iterations, of course, I have like influential knowledge of certain aspects of certain genres, but as a whole, like house dance music, I'm a hip hop girl. Like there are certain parts of those that go together, but you know, overall I'm still learning a lot about it. And I feel like I was still able to rock right into this. And it was not a big learning curve for me in order to understand certain things. I've been doing a lot of reading, a lot of research. And the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, living so much more full and so much more in my purpose because I feel like had I known some of this stuff a little bit earlier, I would have been much more confident in myself as someone who does identify as queer. So I'm learning as I go and Beyonce is holding my hand along the way. And I appreciate her for that.
2: (laughs) I was born in 1968. So I was there when Rapper's Delight came out Mm -hmm. and everything like that. And as a gay man, I was one of the, you know, most of my friends really weren't listening to hip hop, like that I was rocking as much with the Public Enemy cassettes and the mm-hmm. uh, MC Light cassettes and stuff as I was with house music. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot of anger in house music because in some elements of it, because it was a response to Reaganomics, um, to AIDS and to all of that kind of stuff and that was particularly expressed through um, the drag queens on what were called bitch tracks mm-hmm. you know I think there's a big continuity between the anger that you see uh, that you hear in some early hip hop and the sort of aggression that you hear on so called bitch tracks that Beyonce does sample on um, Pure Honey
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Check my technique uh. Coming from my technique. Uh, uh. You wanna feel my technique? Uh, uh. It's pure
2: bad bitches to the left. You know, she, it's perfect for this time, but I think that she's making continuities between things that were created around the same time by Black people that were sort of going through similar things. But from different social positions. So I think that's really interesting. At a really small moment of time, House was very credible in hip-hop. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the Jungle Brothers, I'll House You, Queen Latifah's Come Into My House. Mm-hmm. But as I think it got more associated with, and that's all out of Jersey and stuff, but as it got more associated with um, gayness and hip-hop is so hyper-masculine, I think the divide started to happen. So I'm really glad that you could... It's so great when um people can hear... I mean, because it's all a continuity, you know? Yeah, so I, absolutely. I, think, I love what you said. Thank you.
1: One of my favorite tracks is probably America Has Got a Problem, which you've already referenced. And that song, I think, it's got the sort of miami bass freestyle mm-hmm. feel to it, but also it does feel very housey. And I, I think it's just... The way she's playing also with her cadences, um, yeah. she's switching them up all the time. No song, actually, I mean, other than maybe "Break My Soul," really has the same tempo or same beat for the entirety of the song. Like she is switching things up, whether it's her cadence, whether are adding in a completely different melody or harmony for a few seconds, and then going back in.
0: Like
1: It's interesting to think about the way she is bringing all these things together. Each song can play to any sort of Black party situation possible. Mm-hmm. Like Church Girl has got that cash money international players anthem mm-hmm. HBCU party thing going on. <laughs> For Ball and Vogue you've got Cozy, Alien Superstar, the roller rink is like Virgo's Groove. Mm-hmm. Summer Runners. Like she's playing to every sort of Black, interaction that you could think of like a celebratory interaction that's happening. And I think it's just so great to be able to listen to it. I also think it's kind of cruel because so many of us are tr- still trying to stay at home and not. Mm-hmm. Uh. Home. <laughs> so it's like, you know, dancing to you in your room is one thing or dancing to it with a small group of friends is one thing, but um, to be able to hear it in a space, the spaces that it's meant to be heard, I think it's just going to take off in such a even bigger way. You know, I'm curious, uh, you mentioned the bitch tracks, Craig, and what are the ways you see her sort of connecting, not just with other artists, but with her past self?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Because really, yes, I mean, Beyonce has her credibility in the dance world if you look at the Destiny's Child remixes, particularly from the writings on the wall, Mm. because they worked exclusively with Maurice Joshua, who's one of the early... um, sort of house innovators he did like this is acid and um so they worked exclusively and he kind of because they were new he pitched them on the idea he was like okay look the record can sound one way if i just make a track and speed up your vocals but he can sound a whole nother way if y'all just get on a plane hop over here to chicago right quick and record with the band so for all of those singles bills 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 bugaboo Say my name and mm-hmm. jumpin' jumpin'. They actually re-recorded their vocals for the club. Now superstars like Mariah were doing that kind of thing at the time, but it was very rare for a new group to do that. Mm-hmm. And he just talked about like the freedom and and so he kind of recreates that feel. So if you listen to things like Bills, 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 the exclusive dub, you could just hear her just flowing over like a disco diva over these tracks. Hey, my- So she ain't new to this. And she's done so many photo shoots that you know they were playing this kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like she is just at a point where where it feels organic to bring that in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what a lot of the album feels like to me is it's so, which is true to Renaissance. I mean, Renaissance is what? Looking back to look forward, right? And um, so much of it is self-referential. Like, so much of it, I, like, I hear... Um, Blow in so many songs. Yeah, cuff it for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Heated gives you like mind feels and like, you know, so I feel like she's trying to make a record that like you said, that we can easily incorporate into our lives. It's not a challenging album musically. It's more something that feels very comfortable off the bat, which is different from what she did with Lemonade and Self-Titled. You know, Mm Self-Titled has a lot of stuff that people really had to grow into. Same thing with Lemonade. It's like, you know, that whole James Blake track. People are like, why is this white man singing all on this Beyonce song? (laughs) But, you know, this... (laughs) feels like very comfortable and at home mm-hmm. from jump. And I think that's intentional.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to say, um, we have this album and we're inside. You know, she like on um, um Break My Soul, she says, you know, we outside. And it's like, not quite, you know, we're not quite there <laughs> yet. And um but I do feel like this album has a lot of staying power. And I'm very excited to see a tour for this album. I'm very excited to see what this album becomes when it's out. In the free world. And I feel like there's just so much joy and celebration in it. And she's always been very forward thinking, always very prescient in a way. And I feel like this is another moment where we're seeing that happen. And especially because I feel like in recent years, we've had albums come out and they come and go very quickly. And people um, are quick to be very cynical about certain aspects of albums. And I feel like with this, just being online and on Twitter and things like that, people are loving this album like almost totally. And it's like one of the rare moments where this has happened in recent years. And I feel like that has so much to do with the work that she put into it and the fact that she's working with the music, she's working with the history and she's living and breathing with it. And that's like the the key, I feel, to this album being so beautiful, so bombastic, so successful. Thus far, um, but yeah, I'm very excited to to hear how this album, um, you know, transcends time. And you know,
2: to kind of jump on that and thinking about how she's always playing to our time, I think during the pandemic, because we so inside, you know, <laughs> most of the time, I think it's also been a time of people's individual creativity flourishing. I think that's how t- why TikTok has become so popular mm. during that time. And I think that's why she hasn't yet released any visuals for the album. Yeah, It's because she saw that you can drop a song at midnight on, um, you know, Friday morning and by, you know, that afternoon, somebody's going to have a whole little TikTok routine to it. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's going to be a whole thing. So I think she was probably sitting back and watching that and going, wow, Let me let people do their own thing to it first before I get in with my choreography and my looks and kind of over-determine how things are supposed to be. Let me let people play with this, Mm -hmm. almost, and see what comes up with. And I think that's absolutely brilliant. I think it's generous. And it's just another way that Beyonce continues to challenge us as an audience, but also to try to feed our like inner souls and our creativity and everything like that she always seeks to inspire and I think by not having the visuals initially that's another way that she's inspiring people to really get in touch with their creativity and think about like what do you see when you listen to church girl what do you imagine an alien superstar to look like you know Mm -hmm. yeah just all of those kind of things I think it's that's just a wonderful gift that she's given to us
1: For me, what I hope to see is I hope we see Big Frida, Mm, who has collaborated with Beyonce before on Formation. That's her voice you can hear in the video. But... We don't see her. <laughs> and she's been asked about this many times in interviews about, you know, not appearing physically in the videos for that and also for Drake's Nice For What, where she's also sampled. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's very much like, look, if you hear my voice, you can Google me. I'm fine with it. But I would love to actually see her in that video. I would love to see someone like Leomi, one of the Vogue legends dancing. I can see it already in these videos. I'm hoping as much as this is a celebration of Black queer music, we get to actually see Black queer people.
0: yeah. We are so privileged and so lucky to live in the era of real-time Beyonce. Mm -hmm. Like, we are so blessed. (laughs) And this album is just an example of that. Yes, let the church say amen.
2: Amen.
1: (laughs) Well, obviously, we really, really enjoyed this album, and we are still chewing on it and dancing to it and enjoying it. We want to know what you think about Beyonce's Renaissance. You can find us at Facebook.com slash PCHH and on Twitter at PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Craig Seymour, Kiana Fitzgerald, thanks to you both for being here. This was so much fun. Thank you. I had such a great time. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. As did I. <laughs> and of course, thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This episode was produced by Candace Lim and Mike Katziff and edited by Jessica Reedy. And Hello, Come In provides our theme music. I'm Aisha Harris, and we'll see you all tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Stearns & Foster. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted for irresistible comfort, with indulgent memory foam and ultra-conforming IntelliCoils for your most comfortable sleep. Learn more at stearnsandfoster.com.
2: When the economic news gets to be a bit much... Listen to The Indicator from Planet Money. We're here for you, like your friends, trying to figure out all the most confusing parts. One story, one idea, every day. All in 10 minutes or less.
1: The Indicator from Planet Money, your friendly economic sidekick.
2: From NPR.
1: Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch. And how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism
0: about our modern world. And that's worth digging into next time on it's been a minute from NPR.